The Old Testament reading for today is from Genesis, the third chapter, beginning at the first verse. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself, he said. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to me be with me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the fields. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for, for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and had eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and sistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. From out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Epistle reading for today is from Paul's letter to the Romans, 5th chapter, beginning in the 12th verse. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses 
even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for in many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Moses writes the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But these are not Moses' story. It's not his life that he's telling. The Holy Spirit 
sees to it that Moses tells God's story, that he records the history, including the history of the creation of God's perfect world and the subsequent fall into sin by men. He records it in the book that we call Genesis. Genesis is a Greek word. It sounds like Genesis. Genesis probably is the way you'd say it. Uh, we use the, the name Genesis. And it means, of course, beginning. Just like the word Genesis means in English here. Moses tells about how God made the world, made the universe in six days. By the power of his word, he made light, he made dark, he separated the two. He made sky, land, earth, every plant that bears seed. He made the stars, the sun, the moon, out in the heavens. He made the birds, he made the creatures that live in the water. He made the animals, gave them all the plants for food, and he made man. Male and female, he made them. Adam, because Adam comes from Adama. Adama means ground, dirt, and that's where we get the name Adam, from Adama. He made Eve, the mother of all the living. Adam calls her Eve. And God saw all that he had made, and he said it was, behold, very good. But suddenly here in chapter 3, things are not so good. The man and the woman, we find, are hiding from God. They'd been placed in this beautiful garden where they had everything that they could ever want and ever need. They walked with God in the cool of the day. They worked the ground. They tended the garden. And they actively worshipped God. Now, not as we think of worship, not word and sacrament and liturgy, uh, not one hour once a week, except in Lent, but Adam and Eve worshipped God 24-7. Adam had been told before God even created Eve that he was not to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was told that in the day that he would eat of that tree, he would die. This tree marked a boundary. It marked a boundary between obedience and rebellion, a boundary between life and death. And Adam had instructed Eve, had told Eve what God had said about the tree. And in her conversation with Satan, we hear that she clearly knows what God's command is regarding this tree. And as Adam and Eve go about their everyday tasks, as they work there in the garden, as they enjoy God's good creation, as they enjoy each other's company, they're doing what God created them to do being what God created them to be. And each time they were near that forbidden tree and did not take its fruit to eat, they were honoring God's word. They were worshiping God. 
every day. They acknowledged his lordship over them, and they honored his word. But now, something has changed, and they are hiding from God. Something has gone terribly wrong. It's become, it's come between them and God. That's what sin does. It comes between God's creatures and himself. Between God and people whom he created in his image. And the serpent, who is Satan, asks Eve a question. Did God actually say? And with that question, he sows a seed of doubt in the mind of Eve. And Martin Luther calls doubt our greatest enemy. It makes us disbelieve God, and it opens us up to the lies of the devil. And that's just what happened to Eve. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So who to believe? Does she believe God or does she believe Satan? Eve must decide. And she uses her limited reason to rationalize. She convinces herself that eating the fruit would actually be a good thing for her to do. She eats, she falls into sin. And where is Adam in all of this? We talked about this in our Wednesday morning Bible study just recently. Where is Adam? The text says, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Sounds like Adam was standing right there with Eve when all of this went down. He heard the conversation, he did nothing, he said nothing. So we notice the language here. I want you to notice the language here that Moses uses. Does Moses write that Eve gave some to Adam? No. Trick question. No. He does. Does he say that the woman gave some to the man? No. He doesn't say that either. He says she gave some to her husband. And he ate. Moses here refers to Adam's vocation, refers to the position that Adam had in relationship to Eve. He was her husband. God had given him responsibility to care for Eve, to watch out for her, even to lay down his life for her, as Paul explains what marriage is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that in Adam all die. And that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. One man, Adam. That's from Romans. So the Bible clearly lays the responsibility, the ultimate blame, squarely at Adam's feet. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves 
from the presence of Yahweh, God, among the trees of the garden. This one act of disobedience by the one man, Paul says, led to the condemnation of all men. The sin of Adam and Eve was a, a wedge that was driven in between them and their creator. When they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, instead of running to him, they ran from him and they hid themselves in the trees. And I believe that we still think that we can hide from God. For example, uh, we might be more afraid of the red light camera than God from that camera on the post that we can see from the God who seems hidden from us that we can't see. We're more often afraid of what other people think of us and we seek the approval from them for our actions than we are of what God thinks of us and our actions, our words, or our thoughts. But the good news in all of this is that as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Our reason as we rationalize might tell us that we have to be good enough for God, that we have to get our act together before God will accept us or be happy with us. But the truth is that Jesus Christ's obedience, his righteousness, is yours simply by faith. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, God sees Christ in you, sees his righteousness in you, forgives your sins. The Bible tells us that God is love, that God has no pleasure in the death of anyone. Because Adam and Eve are God's special creation and because God is love, he comes looking for Adam and Eve. And his where are you echoes down through the ages to you. He says that to you. Where are you? God knew where Adam and Eve were. There in the trees, they could not hide from him. And he knows where we are too. He knows our sin. He knows our failings. Adam and Eve tried to make coverings for themselves, tried to cover their shame. And we cover our shame too the best we can so that others don't see. But God knows. God sees. And God loves. God knew better than Adam and Eve did what they had lost as they fell, what, the, what their disobedience really cost them, the separation, the condemnation that was theirs, the destruction of all of humanity's right relationship with him. He knew, too, what it would cost him to restore it, to bring us all back, to rescue us from death, to give us life again. God knew what that would cost to replace the fig leaves of shame with a white robe of righteousness. 
in the garden. Satan comes in the form of a serpent to confront Adam and Eve, to tempt them into willingly sinning against God. And in our gospel lesson, it's the new Adam who goes out to confront Satan in the wilderness to allow himself to undergo all that Satan had to throw at him, to undergo the worst and the same temptations. And this is the beginning of the end of Satan. It is the genesis of the fulfillment of that genesis announcement to Adam and Eve that God would send the one who would bruise the head of Satan, even while Satan bruises the heel. It's the same word used in both places. The one to come, the one that Eve would have down the line, would bruise his head, Satan's head, and Satan would bruise his heel. But you see, the one is a death blow to the head. The heel is just some trouble to go through. Jesus was wounded. He still bears the scars. Wounded by the cross, but not destroyed. But Satan is overcome. Satan is destroyed. In the desert, Satan begins his attack of Jesus with these words, If you are the Son of God. Jesus has just come up out of the waters of his baptism, and then the Spirit drives him out into the desert. God has just stated at that baptism, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And Satan sows that seed of doubt, or tries to. If you are really the Son of God, prove it. And this is interesting. He says, reach out your hand and take the food, just like Adam and Eve did. Only now, it's because Jesus is hungry after 40 days and 40 nights. Adam and Eve had all the food they wanted. Jesus is very hungry, and Satan says, you can do it. Turn these stones into bread if you're really the Son of God. You know that taunts like that on the playground will drive somebody to do something very foolish. It's hard to stand up to that. But Jesus does it. Satan says, turn these stones into bread. Throw yourself down. Prove to me and the world that you are the Son of God. And in answer to each of these statements, Jesus, the obedient Son of God, points to God's command and says, no, that's not what I'm to do. He points to God's word. That's what Adam and Eve should have done. No, God commanded us not to eat of that. We won't do it. And that's what we should do in temptation. When temptation strikes us, fall back on God's word. Fall back on his commands. Fall back on his promises. Jesus spells it out plainly. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. All of these quoted from the Old Testament. All words of God recorded. Adam and Eve mistrusted God's word when he said, In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. They denied that God loved them, that God had their best interest in mind. They doubted his word. But Jesus, the incarnate word, does not doubt. He relies on it. He trusts it.
in Jesus Christ, God has come seeking Adam and Eve and all of their offspring. God's where are you is not a prelude to punishment. Rather, God is on a rescue mission, a mission to seek and to save those who are lost and hiding in the trees because of their sin, to seek and to save all of us because of his and by his immeasurable love. And Satan didn't give up on trying to get Jesus to fall. Luke tells us in his gospel that Satan departed from him until a more opportune time. A time would come, and time does come, during Holy Week when the temptations would be hard to turn down. In another garden, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus prays, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. During his trial, he is struck, he's mocked. The crown of thorns is pushed down onto his head. And on the cross, where Satan's words come, this time not through a serpent, but through those who are standing around, through those who are passing by, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. How easy that would have been for Jesus to do. But Jesus loved his enemies. He loved us all. Thousands of years before that, in the Garden of Eden, God made a promise to two people hiding in the trees. He said, I will send one who will bruise the head of Satan. And God's word can always be trusted, can always be relied on. Jesus is that one who came and defeated Satan for us. Jesus is that promised seed, promised to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is the second Adam who did not fall to the temptations of Satan, but who lived by the word of God. And we trust that God too when it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. When it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. When it says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Jesus embodied God's love for the lost and for fallen humanity. He gave his life in payment for our doubt, for our mistrust, even for our willful disobedience, for all of our sin that would otherwise separate us eternally from God. This son of Adam, by his death and resurrection, repaired our broken relationship with our Creator. And in such a way that we now call that Creator our Father. This is love. Thanks be to God. Amen.